So I've been teaching you guys on this messed up series. And I'm going to tell you, if you have not listened to them, I'll go back. Because these are those things that, honestly, you need to know. There's a, there's a point in our faith that we need to follow, and that is discipleship, the idea that you're disciplined. Disciplined by God. And that's not to say that I'm the authority. This is what God's authority tells us about our faith and how to do things. The Bible says that a fool doesn't receive correction. A wise person does. So the thing is, if all these things that you've gotten, if there's something that God was like, eh, kind of pointing and tapping on your back, or you kind of feeling that it's maybe you, then do something about it. You know, take that into consideration and try to do better. You know, try to be more disciplined in your faith. I told you guys, it's, it's not this idea that, you know, we have to work to receive salvation. I mean, Jesus' grace covers all that. But we do it because we love him. You know, we do the things that we want to do to please him. Just like I, you know, we would want to do as a, any child for their father. We like to please our people, our, our authorities. So this past few weeks I've been teaching about this, about how, God actually takes our messed up lives, our destroyed lives, and how he turns it around and he puts them back together for us. But I was explaining that unfortunately what happens, though, for a lot of us is we take these put-together lives and then we mess them up as we start to follow after God. And we do it in these really bizarre ways, thinking that we're doing even not bad things. But little bit by bit, we start to get farther and farther away from God. I talked to you about how it happens sometimes so gradually, how... You know, we can start to believe over time that really we're good enough. That we start to accept Jesus as our Savior. We think that we're good enough. We're good enough on, on what we're doing. And, and it's okay. But it's not. Nothing is ever good enough. And I will tell you, as in uh, leadership and doing youth minister forever, that's probably my, one of my biggest saying is, good enough is not good enough. Because I really feel like we should do with everything with excellence. Excellence for God. The God who was willing to die for us, we should be willing to give back as excellently as he was willing to give to us. So, But you can say over time that people can start to believe that they're good enough and they can start to go stagnant and they can start to just really, you know, fall back in their faith over time. So the other danger that we have a lot of times is we can start to believe that we're actually even better than other people. That some people will start to follow after God and they'll start to think, you know what, I'm starting to get this whole thing down. You even start to read your Bible a little bit, and you're like, wow, you know, I'm getting this. I understand it. I get it. All you others maybe don't, and I'm better than you. You know, this is what happens over time with some people. They start to believe that they're better than others. And I, last week I talked to you about how denominationalism happens a lot of times in that. Certain faiths start to believe that they are the faith. And I said even non-denominationalism, which is what we are, where we consider ourselves a non-denomination, we are still no better than any other denomination, you know, who are we to say that we're better than another? Granted, there are some things that maybe some we don't agree with, but there is a part in the Bible that says if you believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God and, and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, let's agree on these things and let's work together. So that's what the Bible actually tells us. Both of those ideas obviously can get us off track. We know that that happens. And uh, the Bible actually tells us that we are just all forgiven sinners is what it says. You know, the Bible says all of us are just forgiven We've been sinners and we're forgiven, and then we move on. And uh, none of us ever could be good enough without Jesus obviously offering himself as payment for our sins. That's how we're going to ever be good enough. His, his standard is perfection. None of us are going to reach it, so we have to have a perfect God that can die in our place. And uh, Romans uh, 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So all of us, because we're born from Adam, the original sinner, that we're all just sinners. None of us are not going to be the standard that we need to be to really be accepted in God's 
God's eyes. That's why it is important to have a Savior. That's why it's important to accept Jesus as your Savior, because he has to die in your place and then give you that assurance. So without that, none of us are ever going to be good enough to come even close to God's standard. So the only thing um, that it, out of the Bible that we can see is that a lot of times what happens is people, though, they start to say the words and they start to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I've explained to you at the beginning of the, of the message that we look at Christianity wrong. We look at it as, as really something that it's a, a noun, that we are something. And it's less about it being a noun than it's more about being a verb. It's something that we do daily, that we become a Christ follower every day, that we get up that day and we say, okay, today I'm going to follow Christ. Today I'm going to do the things that I need to do. And it's not to do them perfect. And even if you fail, it's not that bad, but it's your choice. It's your decision to, the Bible says, take and pick up your cross daily is what we're supposed to do. People a lot of times think, though, that you say the words and that's all there is to it. And that's not it. That's not all there is to it. The one thing the Bible makes it very, very clear is that we have to walk out our faith. You have to walk it out. You can say the words and you can do everything, but you have to walk it out. You know, and that's shown to us right off the bat in the Bible. I mean, right off the bat in Exodus, you can hear about the Israelites. You know, these are God's chosen people. And we, you know the story. I mean, they run it every time on Easter, right? We, Moses parts the Red Sea. This is the story about the Israelites. We can see what happened is these people were slaves. Pharaoh was holding them captive, and they were slaves for him. And they wanted to get them, you know, they wanted their freedom, but they were willing to stay there. And Moses was actually the person who was brought in to help them be free. So their plan was Moses takes them out through the wilderness and he parts the Red Sea and he saves them from this life of slavery. But what's really unfortunate is it starts to get a little bit hard, even a little bit hard. They're not having their meat. They want meat. Because even while they were slaves, they had meat. They wanted to eat certain fruits, melons. They had all these different things. And they're like, you know what? We're, we were better off. You know, the, the Bible says, it says they started to grumble and said, what? Wasn't there enough graves in, in Egypt that we could just die in? Why'd you have to bring us out here in the wilderness to die? So this is what happens. They started to grumble and they start to complain. But, you know, it's interesting because if you look at even the story there, you can see that they were saved, weren't they? Saved from a life of slavery. They were given freedom. But then they had to walk it out. They had to walk it out. And what's unfortunate about that is you can see if you read the Bible, read the Bible, that hardly any of them made it. It's kind of an interesting thing about that when you think that so many people were free but didn't make it because they started to grumble and they started to complain and do the things. You know, the Bible says that they a, a trip that was supposed to last 11 days lasted 40 years. I'm going to tell you, I'm sure there's some people out there right now that you were supposed to go through something 11 days and you're going through for 40 years. You know why? Because you're not walking it out and you keep grumbling and you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again instead of learning. You know, I always say God takes us around the bend. He says, you didn't learn it? One more time. Didn't learn it? Another time. That's how God works it out in us. Well, we have to walk out our faith. You know, that's what it's all about. Um, the thing is, we don't get to do it any different than what the Israelites had. You know, they were offered freedom. They were offered, offered you know, decided they could walk with God. They're the ones who made the choice to start grumbling and complaining. And start to think it was better, almost in slavery. It's no better, no different from what we do, really. We all start to follow after God, and we think, well, now this is tough. This is a lot tougher to serve God. And you think it's much easier to just go back to this old lifestyle I had. But really, in the, in the long run, what's really freedom and what's really slavery is what we have to look at. So the idea is we have to walk it out. 
And uh, after we allow Jesus to put together our lives, we'll make all the difference how we walk that out and how well we stay put together. I'm not trying to say that there's any works that can save us. Works don't save us. It's just, it's not it. But it's, I'm going to tell you, there is some icing on the cake to that, though. Works will actually grow you and challenge you. Does, Jesus does all the saving, obviously, but um, how far we walk and follow after him is going to make all the difference, you know, really how far we go. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5 in the New Living Testament, or uh, Translation says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the crowd, in the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They were free. But what happens is God says he wasn't pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered. You know, it's interesting when people like look at Jesus, they think of Jesus just coming as a baby, don't they? At this time, we all think about Jesus coming as this little baby. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus was always there. Jesus was there as the rock, it says, the Christ. So we have to really understand that Jesus, it's, it's a much bigger picture who Christ is than what we narrowly bring him down to be. So we have to remember that. All of us who accept Jesus as our Savior, I can tell you, every single one of us are going to have to travel in the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you, very few of us are ever going to live on Easy Street. And if you do live on Easy Street, that's going to be your wilderness because it's going to be way comfortable for you. And God's going to work on that for you too. He's going to make you grow and mature you in that also. But it's all about navigation. It's all about walking out our faith and mature, maturing and, and growing ourselves in our faith. It's not just saying a few words and thinking that's good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough to say a few words and think that's it. That's all there's to it. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand that. But I would tell you, there's so many people that just constantly grumble through life. They call themselves Christians. They're grumbling and complaining. So many people that accept this, this gift of salvation and then just slow down, stall, start to grow mold. You know, others who are going to take this freedom that Jesus get, got them and gave them and they get caught up again in a lot of the rules and the regulations and the trappings of religion and the denominationalism, and they get enslaved again once in that also, and they start to think that they're better than others. But I'm going to tell you, this is the one I want to talk to you about today. It's others that take this freedom that Jesus gave you, and they get totally messed up in that also. Because this gift of having freedom that give gives you, there's a whole lot to be said about that. A whole lot. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about more today. You guys have heard the saying, I'm sure, before, if you give someone enough rope, they'll hang themselves. It's no different than it is in our faith. I'm going to tell you, you guys have freedom. We have it way easier. Do you know that? If you read the Old Testament and the Bible and how they lived, they had all these regulations and rules and all these things to follow. And if they didn't do everything perfect, they were considered no, no good. Jesus says, I came to abolish that stuff. You don't have to follow those rules and regulations. He says, I'm going to give you freedom. And you would think, wow, that's awesome. That's great. I have freedom now. I can do anything I want. But in that is a danger zone. Because in that freedom, we can definitely mess ourselves up and we can get completely off track in our freedoms. So I want to read you Romans six fifteen through 19 in the message translation. It says, so since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean that we can live any old way that we want? 
since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act, but offer yourself to the ways of God and freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do, but thank God you've started listening to the new master, one of whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less your freedom you had. And how much different is it now that you live in God's freedom that your life's healed and expansive in holiness? I'm going to tell you, this is so hard for some people to, to digest. The, the sad thing is so many people incorrectly believe that they can do anything they want once they have been saved by Jesus. They think, well, I, I'm free. I can do that. It doesn't matter. I'm free in Christ. God paid all my debts. I can do whatever I want now. It's not the way that we're supposed to look at it, see? 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. 1 Corinthians 10.23 in the message says, look at it it one way, you could say anything goes. Because of God's immense generosity and grace, you don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if it's going to pass muster. But the point is not just to get by. You want to live well, but our foremost effort should be to help others live well. See, there's more to the story. See, the problem with having freedom and just taking freedom for yourself and thinking that you can do what you want is a very self-motivated thought. It's more about what I can do, what I can accomplish, what I can get by with. It's not understanding that God called you to be the light. It's not that God told you to go out and change the world by who you are. The the problem that most Christians do, and I'm just going to tell you straight up, I hate it. I hate it. It infuriates me. It frustrates me watching people who say that they love Jesus never, ever change. Just be the same people that they've always been. Because I'm going to tell you, God died to change you. He says, John the Baptist story, the whole entire point, what he said is he says, repent, make way for the Lord. See, the thing is, we're supposed to have something inside of us that thinks the way we always were wasn't good enough and that we can change and that we can try, try to start growing and understand that in our freedom, there's actually some obedience that we should want to do. Not that we have freedom that we can go off and be disobedient, but that of our freedom that we could be more obedient to Christ and reach others through that obedience. See, the thing is, we look at it so wrong. And I get so frustrated watching people. It's like, well, I can do anything I want now that I'm a Christian. Yes. Does God love you? Yes. And will God probably be there just like Shoeless Joe Jack? Yes. He probably will be. But I'm going to tell you, you are just confusing the world by your behavior sometimes. I don't understand why there's so many Christians that think it's okay. I have freedom. I can go off and drink. You know what? You can drink. But you can't get drunk. The Bible makes it clear. You cannot get drunk. It's against God's laws. He says he doesn't believe that drunkenness is a good thing. So the thing is, there's things that are right and there's things that are wrong. Yes, you have freedom to do it. But you're supposed to have maturity and knowledge and strength in God to say no at some point. It's, it's making our bodies submissive that we actually decide that we're going to start to want to do better because God saved us. God did this for us. So we should want to do better it's, it's like any relationship that you have. If you're in love with somebody, you're going to want to do what you can to please them, right? That's why God says he's, he's our, we're the bride. 
We're his bride, the bride of Christ, that we're supposed to actually care enough in our relationship with him that we're going to want to really please God. And not, like I say, not so that we get a pat on the back. It's just the fact that, you know what, God did this for me, so I should give something back to him. I should do something for him because he showed me he loves me this much. I want to show him that I love him this much. Because ultimately, we are all on display. When I raised my kids, I told them all the time. I said, as, as being a follower of Christ, I remember Cameron saying that he was, I think, a freshman, sophomore, and he was invited to all these different parties at school. And Cameron was always well-liked, and I remember them saying that, you know, well, if they have a party, you know, I'll go, but I just won't drink. And I said, no, you won't go. He says, what do you mean? I said, you're not going. Well, why not? I said, because your influence will be tarnished. And I said, you're not going to do that. I said, I know you won't drink. I trust him. I said, I trusted you 100%. And I said, I, I believe 100% that you won't do it. But I said, the thing is, the world won't know it. The world will just see you along with everybody else, and they won't believe that you're, not, that you're any different. And I said, that's just diminishing who you are in Christ. I said, don't, don't do that. And you know what? He fought me for a while, but then he was just like, okay, I won't do it. And he never did. You know, it's just... This idea that you set yourself apart. There's a part in the Bible that actually makes it clear. It says, set yourself apart. It says, don't think like the world. But as so many Christians, what you guys do a lot of times is you start to say, I'm a, I'm a believer and I'm, I have freedom in Christ, and then you still wallow in the mud with the rest of the world. Yes, you can have freedom to do that. But if God says, why do you want to be like that? Set yourself apart. Be a light shining on the hill. That's what the Bible says. Do things. You know, that's what's going to actually be the difference. There's so many mediocre. I wanted to be outstanding. I wanted my son and daughter to be outstanding. And I'll tell you, because God will work through people who are willing to sacrifice and give up their wants and desires and let you do greater things. The one thing that I get frustrated with so much is that sometimes what happens in, like I said, this is discipleship, people. This is discipline. This is correction. This may not be fun to hear. But I want you to know I'm telling you because this is what God laid on my heart. And uh, I think that's your job is, you know, the Bible makes it clear that anybody that's a pastor was supposed to encourage, correct, rebuke. It's always much more fun to encourage than it is to correct and rebuke. But I will tell you, the thing is that what frustrates me many times is this idea is, you know what, I have freedom. I don't have to go to church. You know what? You don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. Do you know how many people in the world would love to get together and go serve God together, and can't. There's places in the country you have no freedom. You can't do this. In China, there's 16-year-old girls that are, are running ministries in the basement of their homes trying to reach others for Jesus. Yeah, we'll have a church open on every corner and no one will go. Because you know what? I have freedom. I don't have to go. I can lay in bed. It's like, you're right. You have freedom. You can lay in bed. And Jesus will probably be fine the next time you say you're sorry. But you know what? Is that good enough? I don't think it's good enough. You know, you don't have to give to God. We don't force anybody to give to God here. You don't have to. But I will tell you something. God will bless you for doing it. I know that he has me. And I can tell you with experience, that's how it works. You don't have to give to God. He's going to love a person who's given millions of dollars to somebody who's given mere pittance. That means nothing to him. But you get to give to God. That's what's Freedom. See, you understand the freedom is wrong. Freedom is not to go farther away from God. Freedom is to come closer to God. We misinterpret it all the time. It's so frustrating to me. 
you know, you don't have to read your Bible. I will tell you, you'll grow if you do. You don't have to read your Bible. But there's people that died for that Bible. You know, they used to have to chain those Bibles up on the ends of pews because people would steal them because they loved the Word of God so much. People nowadays, they don't even pick it up. They don't even understand that the Bible is Jesus. Do you understand? It's not a book. It is Jesus Christ. It is there for you. When you read it, it does something for you. I mean, it just, it blows you away. It just dissects you. It changes you. It grows you. It corrects you. It encourages you. I mean, there's times where I was so discouraged and so frustrated and thinking, this can't be all there is to it, God. I'm just so tired. And then he'll open up the Bible and there'll be like this amazing word of God that tells you, it's like, just go on. There's so much more than this, you know? You know, the promises of, of the future. You know, the thing is, I think to live this life here, sometimes if, if this is all I thought there was here, I wouldn't continue. The, the, what's great is you read the Bible and you realize that there's so much more offered. This isn't it. This is just passing through. The Bible says that Jesus comes back for us and we get to live in eternity like Adam and Eve once did, walking hand in hand with God in the Garden of Eden. We get to go back and we get to do that. That gives me hope. Because I've times when I get weary and I get frustrated and I think, start to think, this has been a tough life, tough childhood, tough life. And I think there has to be something more than this. And he says, there is. There is something more than this. But like I said, we have to walk this out. And because God loves us, he offers us grace, definitely. But he's not okay with sin. He's not. God says he, is, he cannot be part of sin. No matter how much we like to think he's going to be okay and he's going to accept it, he says, I can't even get close to it. I can't be part of it. Our sin separates us from God. The Bible says it. It's almost like a great big wall gets put up between us and God when we sin, when we wantonly sin. Yes, we're all going to sin on a daily basis. Little things, we all do it, even if we fail over and over again. I mean, we can fail. We're not perfect. But if you keep living a life of sin, there's a, there's a barrier that goes up. Because God says he's so righteous and so good, he can't get close to it. John 14, 15 through 17, the message says, If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he has, because he has staying power or staying with you and will be even in you. See, I wonder sometimes with people, maybe because of our disobedience, we don't even receive the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says right off the bat, it says, if you love me, showing it, Show me by doing what I told you, and I'll talk to the Father, and he'll provide you a friend. Maybe because we're so disobedient sometimes and always trying to do what takes us farther away from God, he says, this is why the Holy Spirit's not comfortable in you. This is why things are different inside you, why maybe you're not growing. You know, there, there's a, a whole part of God that a lot of times we don't talk about. You know, it's Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Jesus was always there, sends his Son to die for us. Jesus dies, and what does he say before he leaves? He says, I'm going to leave, go, and I'm going to leave for you a counselor, which is the Holy Spirit for you. He's going to live inside you, and that's what's going to help you and give you comfort. That's what's going to help you to get through this tough world. So the problem is sometimes I think people don't get to the point where they understand that there's a Holy Spirit that's supposed to be helping us, holding our hands, walking along with us. And I think that's why so many people don't make it is they don't, they don't reach out. They don't ask for the Holy Spirit. That's something you can do that the Bible tells us. If you want the Holy Spirit, ask for it. 
Just ask. Say, God, please give me the Holy Spirit. And he says he'll give it to you. He says he doesn't withhold that from his children. He'll give it to you. So if God were okay with us living any old way that we liked, I'm going to tell you he would never have sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. It wouldn't have never been necessary. The thing is we have to understand that sin equals death. Jesus equals life. Simple. Yes, God loves us no matter what we do. Like I say, no more, no less than the next guy. But he'll never approve of disobedience. Never. You know, I said to you, Adam and Eve. He loved Adam and Eve. He walked hand in hand with them. Lived in the Garden of Eden. And I'll tell you, it was wonderful until they sinned out of disobedience. And what, as the Bible says, they were banished from there. And when they were banished from there, what happened is they were no, were no longer allowed to eat from the tree of life. So which meant what? Death. From then on, death would come. See, while they were up in heaven, they got to eat from that tree all the time. Right? They were eating from the tree of life. God says, out. Out of Eden. You don't get to be there no more. So you don't get to live forever no more. See, the thing is, someday we get to go up there and we get to eat from that tree again. That's what's amazing. See, out of their disobedience, though, they didn't want to eat from the tree of life no more. They chose the tree of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil is what they wanted instead. We just need to start eating from the right trees, don't we? That's the problem. So from then on, I'm going to tell you, it was a fight back, though. I'm going to tell you, God has been fighting ever since Adam and Eve left to bring us back to that garden. That's the whole entire point of his whole plan is, is the idea is to bring us back to the Garden of Eden again. That's why he said, I've got to find another way. These people are disobedient. These people are, are not loving me. So we need to do something to bring them back. And that's what it's all about. And Jesus says, be obedient to me. If you love me, show it, show it to me by doing what I say to do. Yet, like I say, there's so many people, a lot of times what happens is you see these people that are just wallowing in their freedom. They wallow in it. And they're so watered down and they're so powerless over time that they have no difference. There's no difference meeting them from anybody else that walks the street. There should be something different about us. The Holy Spirit should be something that actually like goes before us. And we should be convicting and challenging to people. Not judgmental, don't get me wrong. But there should be something about us that when we look at us that they think there's something different about them. There's something about, there's Jesus there. Something that draws people to us, not detracts them away from us. So you have to remember that everything is allowable to you. But not everything is going to be good for you. Okay? There's certain things you can't do. You shouldn't do. And that's all there is to it. I think that the one thing that you notice a lot of times in this idea of freedom, that we have freedom, is it's the focus really on us so much. It's what I can do. What I can do. I can do this because I have freedom. I can do that because I have freedom. Well, the Bible tells us, don't be so concerned about yourself all the time. Be selfless. Be concerned about others. Quit worrying about what you can do instead of what others doing for others and helping them be what they're supposed to be. But people, a lot of times, they get caught up in this freedom all the time. and They don't concern themselves with bringing other people to freedom. Like I said, in the first couple of weeks, there's this idea of getting tossed a life preserver, but then just taking it and, and throwing it off, you know? The idea is your job now to share that life preserver with other people. That's what the whole point is. But if you're so watered down because you keep being free in Christ and you can get by with this and that and do this and do that, no one's going to even know to go to you for, for freedom. They're not going to believe you're any different. 
So you have to guard your put-together life that Jesus sacrificed for. That's what it's about. I'm hardcore about this, I'm going to tell you. I really, really despise some of this whole idea that I see in Christianity where everyone thinks, I have freedom in Christ so I can do whatever I want. That's not the Christ. Christ didn't die for that, that whole mentality. That's not good enough. This idea that you can keep being mediocre. I'm going to tell you, go learn more about God. Do you understand? It's our job. Like I said at the beginning, if it was up to us to spread this message of Christ, how far would it even get? We're so worried about what we want, how we want to live, the people we want to become, instead of trying to be molded into something that God would intend us to be. So I really just want to just end this message with saying that um, over the last four weeks, just touch upon some of the four things um, that obviously God loves us all the same. He plays no favorites. Like I said, the vilest of, offend, of offenders he loves as much as he loves the most faithful saint. It doesn't matter who it is. He doesn't play favorites at all. He never wants us to play favorites. He never expects us to pick and choose who it is that walks in the door and say we love them more than another. The Bible says if we treat someone better than another person that we're already wrong. God says wrong. That's not what you do. You don't ever tell somebody else they have more value than another because God values us all. They're all his children. Also, the other thing, one of the things I touched upon is never forget the messed up person that you were. Always remember who God brought you from. With me, I always say I'm so thankful that I look back and think, I don't ever want to go back to the life I was. I lived 28 years without following God. And I had no love for God whatsoever and could have cared less. But I'll tell you, I'd never want to go back to that now. Because I realize there's so much more hope and there's so much more life and there's so much more freedom in following Christ than I ever had before. That was slavery. I didn't think so, but it was. This is freedom now. Also, never, never ever settle for anything but the best in your faith. God didn't. God sent his perfect son to die for you. And then one of the things I was happy about when we sang the worship songs that we did today, we actually made them more about us to God. Because I think sometimes we have this idea we can sing all these words and it's more about the congregation and a group and how God loves all of us. But you think we have to turn around and understand God loves me. Me. When he looks at you, he doesn't see a whole congregation of people. He looks at you personally and says, I love you. And he knows every one of your struggles and he knows everything that you've gone through. We have to understand that it's very, very personal. God is a personal savior. And uh, the thing is, it's, it's one of those things that we have to understand that we can't settle for anything but the best. And You know, don't offer this good enough faith, but offer yourself to have a sold-out faith. If anything, I just hope that this message challenges us in the, in the new year to really start to say, I need to do better. And it's not just the first couple weeks in January. Everyone does that. But actually, there's a real life change that people want to really, like, sacrifice and, and really just challenge themselves to, to live more for God. Also, never believe that you have become something more than what you are, just a forgiven sinner. We're all just forgiven. That's what we are. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be judgmental with other people. But actually understand that you're just forgiven. And that God just wants you actually to be the best possible example of a forgiven sinner that you can be for other people to reach out to him too. That's what he wants. The other thing is keep his commands. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to follow the commands that he sets for us. And obey God out of a healthy respect of him. You know, the Bible says to fear him, to respect him. So I think if we did that, we would understand that that's 
That's one of the reasons why we do want to please them, just like your dad. I mean, every one of us grew up with that little bit of fear of your parents. I mean, hopefully you did. If if you had no fear of your parents, you probably should have had more because you should have. <laughs> you know, the thing is, we're supposed to have a little bit of healthy respect and fear. I remember my dad, my uh, husband telling me about his dad. He said that uh, his dad told him a long, long time ago, he says, if I ever find out you took drugs, I will kill you. And you know what? My husband never took drugs. He says, I was scared. Like, there's no way I was ever going to do that. And I tell you, there's certain things that we shouldn't do because we should have a healthy respect. Just like we respect and fear of our parents, we should also have that for God. I say the problem that why we don't do it is because it's not like old times. I tell the youth all the time when I teach them, I said, the reason why people do so many things wrong nowadays is because you don't read the Bible and realize how they used to, God used to deal with people. You know, you lied, the ground sucked you out, just done, dropped over dead. I want to tell you, you would stop a lot of people if that was happening, right? If everyone was doing it, you'd be like, whoa, I can't do this. You know, but now we think we have all this time. See, because the thing is, he said that basically a lot of it's going to be sorted out in the end. So we all think we just are okay because nothing happens to us right away. But eventually we all have to just answer for everything we've done, right? The, the Bible makes it clear that all of us have accepted Jesus as our Savior, that we have to give an account for what we did with his son. So when we say we accept him, we have to give an account. It's basically everything else is wiped away. Before we could become Christians and followers, he says that's wiped away as far as from the east as the west. He doesn't remember it. But he says after we become believers that we have to be accountable. For once we've said we love Jesus, what have we done with it afterwards? That's what's important. So keep his commands and think about that. I'm going to tell you, there's so many people that are failing in their freedom, just falling over in their freedom, tripping on it. The Bible actually says, Jesus says, that he says, I'll become a stumbling block. That's what he says. He says, because some people can't handle freedom. You give them too much rope and they'll hang themselves. What happened to Judas? Didn't fear God enough, did he? They say either there's a couple different ways that Judas dies, and I kind of did a little study on that. Obviously, they say that Judas, some people say that Judas went and hung himself. And that he died. They said that after a while that he hung there long enough that his body became bloated and soft and gooey. And just finally just boom. Because the time is not clear. You know, it doesn't just happen where he goes and hung, hangs himself and, and dies. The Bible actually says there could be some time that actually took place between that. So it could have been because then it says all of his guts fell out. There's also a different way that says that the Bible that um, people in, the, in those days used to get higher up on something. And they used to place a spear out and they would actually throw themselves over and that he could have landed on it and it could have opened up his, his guts. They said that fall forward actually was a hanging term in those days. Either way, I'm going to tell you, Judas sold out Jesus. He walked with Jesus and he sold him out. No one was closer, was he? Walking with the Son of God. Don't get too secure. Yes, we have security in Christ. He says he loves us. But I will tell you something I firmly believe without a doubt. God never gives up on us. His hand's always holding tight. But what happens is over time in our sin, what happens is we lose the grasp. It's us that lets go. It's not Jesus. He's always there grasping, trying to hold on. But because of us, we pull our hands out. And it's because a lot of times sin gets us farther and farther away. And before long, we're not passionate. We're not loving him like we're supposed to. So I want to challenge you to live wanting more of Jesus. To live giving more to Jesus and to live doing more for Jesus.
That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's about giving the best to him, not about just giving a little bit, bits and pieces to him. Why is it that we give so much to other things, but we give so little to Christ? But yet, you know, we, we want to use them as security later. He deserves much more than that. Much, much more. If every single time I was there to help my son or my daughter out of every jam, and then as soon as they got out of the jam, turned to me and basically give me the middle finger, over time I'd be a little disappointed in him. That's not how I want, my, I want to live for my God at all. I want to be obedient to him because I love him. Out of the obedience that I'd sacrifice for him. It's not because I get any big gold shining star or ribbon on me. It's because I love him that I want to do it. That's what it's about. So I just challenge you to love Christ more. Put him first. Quit putting everything and everybody and your jobs and everything in front of God. Do more for him. I'm always frustrated by people with their jobs sometimes. I'm going to tell you what. they like, well, I, I couldn't do this because of my job. Yeah, some people have to work Sundays. I get it. Some people can't be at everything. I get it. But I will tell you this. There's a lot of times I think that alarm works just as well for church as it does for the work week. But yet it's easier to say no to Jesus as an on Sunday than it is to go to work because we're more worried about what a boss would think of us than who the God that saved us thinks of us. Challenge yourselves. Challenge yourselves in that. I know I'm a mom. I, I have it all. I can, I'm the queen of guilt. I can tell you. I, can, <laughs> I was jokingly with my kids a lot of times that I raised them with guilt. They know it. I was the first one to admit it. I was a, I was a guilt mom. Yeah, you could do that. But that'll hurt my feelings. <laughs> so, but I will tell you, God wants us to think of those things. God wants us to think about pleasing him. So I want to pray for you real quick. All right? Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are a, a good God. And, Lord, that you love us even though we're so failed and so flawed and so messed up. And, Lord, you are so thankful that you are so willing to take um, such really unlovable people and turn around and love them so much. And I just pray, Father, for each person that's here, Lord, that we'd be challenged, Lord, to really just show that love back to you. Lord, that we wouldn't be mediocre or just even think that we're good enough, that we'd never, ever go the way of thinking that we're better than another person. But, Lord, that we would also be concerned about whether um, we really have too much rope and that we're going to hang ourselves sometimes. Lord, help us to to be mindful of what's right and what's wrong and help us to understand that it's always about others, that people are watching and that we need to be a good influence and that we need to be the light shining on the hill. I pray that each person that's here today would be challenged in their faith. Lord, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to think about our walk. And, Lord, I just pray that you would give everybody the strength and, and Lord, the wisdom to walk it out uh, the way that you would want to help them to walk it out. Lord, we just praise you and we ask all this in your son's name. Amen.